We are the granddaughters of the witches that you could not burn. Garda Amer, Cindy in Pink, RFGA Artwork, 2015. Mum had a bitter streak, but I thought all mothers were like that. Most of my friends' mothers were disgruntled and used to say things like, I could have been a ballet dancer if I hadn't had children, or I was going to be an artist before I met your father. They were full of tales of what they dreamed of doing as children, or were on a path towards, before having a family stopped all that. After I'd been through a couple of art schools and bands, I realised that most of us fail at what we try to do, especially in the arts. But our mothers didn't know that. You don't know how hard it is, or how unexceptional you are, until you've been at it for ten or so years. They assumed they would have succeeded. I'm glad I just about managed to be born into a time that allowed me the advantage of looking back at my failures and successes instead of fantasizing about what I could have been. One of the reasons feminism took such a strong hold in my mind and in the minds of many girls of my generation is that we were brought up by repressed and dissatisfied women who had grown into adulthood during the war, learned new skills, tasted independence, and then had to dissolve back into the shadows of their dark brown homes and watch from behind their ironing boards as the swinging 60s unfolded. In the words of Jacqueline Rose, they were part of a generation whose identity was, above all, to become mothers and who found themselves, after a devastating war, under the harshest obligation to be happy and fulfilled in that role. To compensate for the freedom and the opportunities she missed out on, Mum did her best, with very little means, to make sure that my sister and I didn't suffer the same fate of domestic drudgery and dependence on a man that befell her. Sometimes it's easier to push someone else to do what you can't or don't have the nerve to do yourself. Mum was highly attuned to the subjugation of women and pointed it out to me at every opportunity on TV, in the streets, in shops, politics, and education. Her injustices lodged firmly in my brain and added to my own grievances, made me doubly angry with the world. I burned with both her anger and my anger whenever I confronted prejudice. Perhaps that's how it is for every woman. The repression your female ancestors suffered accumulates over the generations, resentment building in daughter, granddaughter, and great-granddaughter, like hair clogging a washing machine filter, until along comes a child who is so pumped full of fury that she kicks all obstructions out of the way. I became the receptacle for her pain, her fury, her bitterness. I dragged it behind me as an ox drags its plough. Violette Le Duc, Le Batard, 1964. In the 1980s, I quit making music and living in squats, tried to stop being an angry young woman, and went to film school. I was fed up with feeling cold and hungry all the time. Eventually, I became a television director, but I couldn't understand how, at 35, and armed with a profession, I still felt like a furious outsider. I tried to rationalize it. it. Must be because I'm thick 
or because I don't have British blood, so I have the wrong temperament, or because I'm burnt out and battle-worn, because I have a moustache, because I'm the oldest intern, the first female director at the company, in my thirties, don't have a child, the least educated, the most outspoken, unprofessional, hysterical, mad, bossy, scary, manipulative, ambitious. But even though I look normal nowadays, with conventional clothing and natural coloured hair, and even though I own a home, have given birth to a child, and clocked up a 17-year marriage, I still feel like an alien. The sensation of being under attack has intensified as I've grown older. Even walking down the street is difficult. It always was, but I was younger then. I had energy and enthusiasm and hope. It's harder for me to put on my psychic armour and sally forth now. There are times when I can't face walking through the city. The advertisements, all the pictures of thin bodies, painted faces, men, looking, judging. Not so much me anymore, I'm becoming invisible. Still attackable though. But my daughter, other young women. The dark, footsteps, not making eye contact clocking distances, assessing his fitness, his age, his clothes. What shoes am I wearing? Can I run? Means of escape, street lighting, any other pedestrians? Everything registered, recorded, exhausting. I see male dominance everywhere. Some nights I can't bear one more male face on the TV. I don't want them in the corner of my living room. One more of their books, one more clever painting, one more lazy song. For 60 years, I've been shaped by men's point of view on every aspect of my life, from history, politics, music and art, to my mind and my body, and centuries more male-centric history before that. I'm saturated with their opinions. I can think and see like a straight, white man. I can look at a woman and objectify her, see her how a man sees her. I can think like a male criminal. To stay safe, you have to anticipate their thoughts and actions. I can think like a rapist, for fuck's sake. You are a woman, with a man inside watching a woman. You are your own voyeur. Margaret Atwood, The Robber Bride, 1993. Some women can block patriarchy out and get on with life. The same way our brains filter out most visual input to our eyes. Because if we could see every molecule that's out there, we'd go insane. I can't block patriarchy out. I was trained by my mother to notice it, to seek it out, and to fight it. I can see it, I can hear it, I can feel it, and I'm burning up because of it. Same as all the other witches. Same as the ones in the Middle Ages.